Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. So welcome, everyone who's tuned in today. I'm really excited about the conversation we're going to have today. I have a very special guest who is the National Director of Education Innovation and research for the NAACP, um, who has been a professor and uh, has a lot of, of work to his credit, uh, the uh, professor in counseling psychology, uh, and, and editor-in-chief of the Journal of Negro Education, and so just so many things to his credit. I'm proud um, to introduce those to you uh, who may not know him. Uh, I'll just also start by introducing him as Double Frat, um, Alpha Phi Alpha and Sigma Pi Phi. Um, glad to have him on the show today, uh, Dr. Ivory Tolson. Welcome, Ivory. Yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Perkins. So glad to have you. So I, I want us to jump right in. Tell me a little bit about the work that you've been doing, particularly at the NAACP. And then, as you know, you know, I invited you here because I want you to talk about uh, your recent book and bestseller, No BS. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, so, but let's start by talking about it. It sounds like you have. Uh, from my perspective, maybe not everyone else, but that, my perspective, a uh, really exciting and um, uh, interesting job at the NAACP. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing there, some of the work, uh, research that you are engaged in there. Yeah, absolutely. So I became the National Director of Education, Innovation, and Research at the NAACP about a year and a, uh, about a year, four months ago. Um, and through that, I devised national strategies for the NAACP uh, for looking at education equity, um, education justice. And so we're promoting honest history, uh, embracing diversity, and ruling out racism, whether it's implicit or interpersonal or structural. Um, we work with 2,200 units across the nation. So these are state conferences, local branches, uh, college chapters, youth councils, uh, and together, uh, we try to make sure that every black student, every black learner, uh, has a fair shot at the best education in the United States. Mm, okay, and and so is this. How long has this program been going on, and what uh, uh, what was the impetus for it? Um, well, the NAACP has had uh, education director since its founding, and in fact, the first mm. education director. Uh, was W. B. Du Bois, <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, that shows you the the, the magnitude uh, of this. Um, and you know, of course, the the NAACP has had different cycles and and you know had leadership and has had um, various levels of vis- visibility over the the uh, century plus uh, that we have been in existence. Uh, but I think right now, with the, the leadership of of, of Derek Johnson. Uh, our board chair Leon Russell, uh, a mm-hmm. dynamic staff. I, I think that that um, 
Sixty uh, percent of of NAACP staff right now uh, were hired over the last five years, or, or maybe less. Uh, so you know, it's a, a a lot of you know new energy and life has come to the organization. Uh, mm-hmm. And but the but the good thing is that you know when you look across the nation, you know even though the national office uh, is trending younger, uh, when we look at at our our chapters across the nation. Uh, we have some some serious uh, senior leaders, uh, people who've been mm-hmm. there for a very long time, uh, you know, pioneers mm-hmm. uh, who have done done the work with 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 some of the the, the major civil rights icons that that we learned about mm-hmm. in history books. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so you know, it's a, a a legacy of intergenerational leadership uh, that that uh, you know is really moving us forward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting observation, and although it goes beyond what we're going to talk about today, it's just interesting to to think about that as the organization is getting older, it's literally getting older uh, as an organization, and, and I'm sure there are conversations going on about how to how to maintain relevance in the lives of young people. And it's probably been an ongoing conversation since its founding, to be honest. Uh, that's all organizations encounter that, that it's not that the old organization doesn't seem out of step and, and, and irrelevant to new groups that come and become a part of uh, the, the, the structure. So um, looking forward to it. I know that I have, when I was in college and, uh, and beyond, uh, been a member of the NAACP and, and see its importance and, certainly hope that um, the mission continues. Uh, um, and, you know, th- we, we, I, I remember we used to say, we hope one day that um, we, we are doing uh, a different fight uh, as part of the work at NAACP, uh, that we, we don't have to struggle as much uh, around some mm-hmm. of the issues of, 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 diversity and, and equity, um, but that uh, yeah. work can trans- transcend that. So almost working yourself out of a job, but uh, unfortunately we're not mm-hmm. there yet, which, which brings me to um, why I invited you because uh, I just was so struck by uh, the and, uh, importance of the topic of your book uh, about what you consider bad statistics. Uh, that mm-hmm. exist that are out there. So I want you to tell me a little bit, and, I, and hopefully people will will uh, immediately go out and start looking, because uh, I think there's a lot here uh, for people to learn about uh, not believing everything you hear or read uh, about uh, black people that may appear in studies and otherwise. Um, just before we get started, I want to tell you about a, a uh, situation that I was in, I was uh, consulting for a group. I'll just call it a group, and 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 one of the members of the group said uh, there was something that was published in the newspaper, and mm-hmm. he came in. He was very upset about what was said in the newspaper, and uh, I just made the statement that well, that's just not true, and told him why it wasn't true. And and the response was, uh, but it's in the newspaper. 
And I said, okay, I understand that it was in the newspaper. And for the life of him and me and everybody else around, he, he just couldn't get past. But no, it's in the newspaper. So, and I said, well, I understand. And so I asked the question rather than make the assumption, but I asked the question. I said, you, so do you believe that everything you read in the newspaper is true? I didn't get a response. I said, but I want you to understand, it is not. Everything, just because mm-hmm. it appears in the newspaper, is not true. And there was this yeah. look of disbelief. Like, really? Mm-hmm. And it, that was a, an eye-opening moment for me, to be honest with you, yeah. that someone mm-hmm. that was, that was well-educated, um, really mm-hmm. his response to the fact that there was someone was actually challenging uh, a statistic that was reported in the newspaper. Like, how could you do that? Yeah. So that, that's where I want to start is like that there are a lot of people, and this was uh, a member of the black community, but there are a lot mm-hmm. of people out there that believe everything they read. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and a lot of the statistics that gets put out in the newspaper is statistics that they think is going to reinforce our pre-existing notions. Uh, and, you know, there's a confirmation bias that we use when we look at a lot of these. And so we've become used to, to, to hearing negative things about black people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, like when, when you ask somebody, and, and you know, Jenks Morton, a documentary filmmaker who, who I, I did a lot of work with, uh, he went on the streets and, you know, he would ask, you know, when have, have you ever heard a positive statistic about a black person? And, you know, everybody was like, no, you know, they've never heard a positive statistic about a black person. So if if they were to confront it, they would have to try to figure out, you know, what to do with it. Um, but we've never really t- taken a step back to wonder why we never see positive statistics other than just assuming that we never see positive statistics because mm-hmm. everything about us is so bad. Mm-hmm. We haven't really interrogated the the, the statistics that, that come out. Um, so one of the things that – or one of the statistics that seems to get a, a lot of traction was the statistic that there are more black men in prison than college. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's something that, that everybody was saying – at a certain point, uh, even President Obama, who I who I worked for, uh, he said in the speech uh, to the NAACP. Uh, so you know, no one no one challenged that that stat. Uh, and you know, I, I wrote a study on it. Uh, this was about ten years ago now. Um, mm-hmm. And in that study, I looked at the origins of that stat and, and looked at how they derived it. Uh, by uh, looking at data from the National Center for Educational Statistics, comparing it with data from the U.S. Department of Justice. Um, if you were to take the data that they used then, uh, you would see slightly more black men in prison than college. But 10 years later, if you, if you did the same analysis, you would find a 105% jump in the college enrollment for black males and about 700,000 more black men in college than prison. Uh, Mm -hmm. And the reason why that happened is because the colleges weren't reporting uh, their disaggregated um, 
racial data uh, when they originally did the study. So, so that's that, that's the reason why why you have that skewing. So, you know, likely there's never been a point where there's more black men in in, in prison than college, um, but it's something that we so readily embraced. I, I think that we could have easily found the flaw in that statistic if we were more if we scrutinized more, uh, if we didn't have this this bias against black people. Um, but because we don't scrutinize those things, in fact, we scrutinize positive things, uh, but we don't scrutinize negative things, uh, we end up having statistics like that that just kind of float out there, uh, uh, like zombie statistics, uh, statistics that uh, just, just go on and on and on and get repeated so many different times. People just assume they're true. Um, nobody can trace the origins of it. Uh, nobody can tell you the authors, uh, but they have this stat, and it's, it's negatively informing uh, people about black people. Mm-hmm. And so, as you know, um, I have a number of aspiring and current leaders and at a variety of levels in education uh, that listen in and 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 so certainly there may be some people who are wondering so how do i how do i know what to challenge you know you you mentioned confirmation bias uh, that we have and so it's certainly important to be aware that sometimes what we are doing is looking for um uh, what we've already been told we're just looking for the mm-hmm. the, the idea that um, it, it it serves to say okay that I it, it confirms the the fact that I heard this before but it really there's doesn't have to be statistically correct and in some cases the studies are flawed so what mm-hmm. how do we how do we um, get people to the place where they are actively challenging and questioning the the study the statistics because like i said in, in this case that i confronted a gentleman about was just the very basic idea that because it appeared in writing not make it true and and what and and so it, it seems that it is much deeper than than just that People don't know better. It, it's almost like we have been socialized to believe these uh, negative statistics. We've heard them so long, and, and that's a that's a really good question. Um, so, so I would I would say don't trust anything just at face value. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you see a statistic that appears in a meme. The statistic might be true, but you know that you don't have the proper context to, to understand what the statistic really means and what it's about. Mm-hmm. So the best thing to do is just to, to um, you know, take it as it is. And, and um, if it's not anything that you really want to pursue, and when I say that, I mean if it's not anything that you really care enough about to do anything about it, then you should just trust that you don't understand that statistic enough to do much with it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so so let's say you you see a statistic that say that says that that um 
35% of black boys in your city um, have been truant in school. Um, that may or may not be true in the city that you're in. If you really want to work on the issue, then you take that statistic and then you look for some organizations that are working with black males who uh, are not going to school. Uh, you try to figure out how to work directly with those black males. Um, you talk to the black males in your own, the black boys in your own sphere of influence and uh, about, you know, some of the reasons why they may be skipping school and, and you know, you work on that issue. Um, and, you know, you may find that, that, that that's true, but you'll also find some things like a lot of them are being sent home because they're out of dress code or mm-hmm. it's, uh, the, the, the traffic patterns going to schools, making it where they're being late, and so they're being denied entry. You know, like, mm-hmm. like these are things mm-hmm. that, that, you'll, that you'll find when you really dig into it. And then you might mm-hmm. also find that they're going to schools where they're not really getting a lot of academic nourishment uh, or they, feel, they don't feel safe at the school. Uh, it may be schools with, with, with violence, and they're trying to avoid certain people. So, so you'll, you'll, find, you'll, you'll find out all those things. Now, did you need the stats to find all those things out? Maybe the stats spark that. And so the, if the stats spark you to investigate further and you find out all that information, you start doing something about it, then, yes, that, that's good. But if you're not going to do anything but take that stat and judge black boys and say, oh, they, they, you know, they, they don't care about education and all that kind of stuff, then you're a part of the problem. So you just shouldn't do it. So, so, so bottom line, if you, if you confront a statistic and you're not inspired to do anything about it, then just don't trust the statistic. Just, just, just own the fact that you don't know enough about that statistic to know whether it's true or know whether you have the proper context, take it as it is and let it go. Don't repeat right. it. Right. Don't, that was, don't, that, don't that's use the it piece. to embarrass anybody. <laughs> right. That's the piece either, right there. Don't repeat it. it. <laughs> either going to use it for good or just let it go. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. So now I know you have spent a lot of time looking at stats, uh, uh, performance and academic otherwise. Tell me what, what has been the statistic that you, you heard or saw somewhere that was so surprising when you found it out not to be true? So something you saw, and then after further investigation, it was it maybe it was something that was pretty widely accepted. Um, mm-hmm. um, and then, to your surprise, like, wow, this really isn't the case. What was, what would you say that was was? I mean, I, I would say I would say it was uh, more black men in prison in college because that that's mm-hmm. that's just so 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 straight up. Uh, and and it sounds so clear. It doesn't really sound like there's a gray area to it. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, when you look at it, it's so far away from the truth. And so mm-hmm. it's like the, the the distance away from the truth, and the and and how widely accepted it was. Uh, that was pretty surprising. Uh, but there's there's other things, you know, like like um, black boys in single parent households do worse in school. Uh, mm-hmm. So. You know that's something that's that's just widely accepted, uh, but but once I really dug into that, uh, I found that that that's not true. Um, mm-hmm. Now, of course, there's some nuance to it. 
and it's, you know, it's not, you know, straight up like the other statistic. But the bottom line is the composition of a household means less than who your primary parent is. So if you have, if you have a two-parent household and one of your parents dropped out of high school, you're actually doing worse statistically in school than someone in a one-parent household and their primary caregiver has at least an associate's degree. Uh, so, so, and there's different other ways that I looked at the data that, that, that helped to find the nuance in that statistic. Um, so that, that would be another example. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, you know, I just got a, um, a, a message from a listener um, who has posed a question uh, that I'd like to ask. And the question is, how do you tell the story of the data in a way that actually influences what people think or feel? It seems like since the 2016 election or so, people can look at accurate data and just completely not care. How might he or she approach getting people to care about what the data actually says? Yeah, well, you have to, you have to humanize the data. You have to, to look at the data as people. Um, people use data as a proxy for people, and so mm-hmm. they could beat up on data in ways that they might not beat up on an actual person. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and so, so, so you have to acknowledge that that when you're talking about a statistic, you're actually talking about people. Uh, mm-hmm. And you have to, to, to use your knowledge and understanding of those people in order to, uh, in, in order to tell the, the, the correct story with the data. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of us with children, you know, we may get test scores back on our children or we may get uh, different performance indicators back. Uh, grades, um, you know, different things, you know, related to our children. Um, but we don't use that to disparage our children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're very mm-hmm. sensitive with that information. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're cautious about who we share it with. Uh, we only share it with people who we think is going to understand. Um, we may use it to, to help us to, 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 to help our children be better. Uh, but we're also going to understand where those scores are, are coming from. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and if there's systemic reasons why that your child may not be performing in a way uh, that, that, um, that, that, that you think that they're capable of, uh, then you're mm-hmm. going to take all that into consideration. And so we should do the same with, with, with data, especially about, about black people. You know, mm-hmm. we shouldn't just use a, a, a crime stat or economic stat and just leave it out there without talking about systemic barriers uh, without talking about resilience, uh, without talking about historical oppression, uh, are, are also the diversity within the black population. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, um, to also an extension of that for me is that uh, I think about the story itself. So this, this uh, listener talked about the story to tell, um, it, it seems like this is a recurring theme in my day to day. I've had I've had similar conversations with three different colleagues, and I said the same thing: is that until we have the resources to tell our own story, then it's always um, going to be told by 
um, someone else that has maybe some other uh, objectives, some other uh, uh, motives that they are trying to accomplish. And um, I, I just, um, you, you know, so as an example, so you're at an HBCU um, with, with various centers and, and research initiatives, uh, but there are plenty of places where we could, we have scholars in these places, why don't we have uh, the money where these, these research initiatives can be, uh, can be put in place so that different stories, different narratives uh, reach the public around so the statistics and otherwise. I know you've been doing that, but what does it look like for the rest of the the community, where a lot of these a, a, a lot of these um, research projects that are being done are just not grounded in the community they're that they're talking about. Yeah, well, that, that speaks to a, a larger uh, flaw within the the uh, community of of, um, of researchers and, and higher education in general. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there, there's this idea that that research should be objective, and that if you're too close to the community that you're doing research on, then it can it can compromise your objectivity, which will make the research uh, weaker. Now. Mm-hmm. This is this is just a matter of somebody's opinion, and you know this this you know people who have who have structured the system to better suit them and their needs are the ones that create this system. Uh, mm-hmm. There's you can certainly look at it a completely different way, and to 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 think that people who are closer are better researchers, they have more advantages when when doing research. And so that's the first thing that we have to do. We have to assert uh, our right, our position, our positionality, uh, to be the ones who are experts on our own people. Um, you know, nobody is telling white people that they can't do research on white people because it can compromise their objectivity. No, but they're sure. saying that to, to, um, to, to black people. So it's also this, you know, otherizing of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know it, it's it's something that that we have to that we have to fight against uh and historically black colleges and universities um you know we we have to you know make sure that that we uh take ownership of research on our people but we also have to 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 confront these systems that don't want to give us the same amount of funding don't want to publish our work don't want to put us on the news and all those types of things because they're bought into this notion that black that a product coming from a black institution is not mm-hmm. a superior product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I, now I know we don't have a whole lot more time left, but I want you to give a, just a sneak preview of No BS. Um, I, I love the cover, by the way, <laughs> um, the, the young man um, there. But I, 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 tell me a little bit about what you were trying to accomplish um, with this. Yeah, well, we talked about it during this this uh, this, this conversation. 
but the uh, the full title of the book is is Black People Need People Who Believe in Black People Enough Not to Believe Every Bad Thing They Hear About Black People, uh, mm-hmm. and and it's really about the different statistics that you might hear, uh, and 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 talking about why you should not believe in those in, in those statistics, um, mm-hmm. but also that point of you have to believe in black people not to believe it. So, mm-hmm. so when you believe in something to begin with, then when you get something that's negative about them, you tend to be more suspicious about it. Now, if you mm-hmm. don't believe in them, uh, then you get something negative about them, and it just confirms the biases that you already have. Uh, so, so it's really about, about people um, believing in black people enough not to believe all the BS, the bad stats right. that they may uh, right. uh, be exposed to about black people. Right. Because at the end, you, you really do a great job of summarizing it because uh, that's where you end with believing in mm-hmm. black students um, is yeah. that, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the press is. So after all of this, you know, uh, uh, analysis of, what what is not true in in these myths that have been told and and circulated here's what's important about believing in black students and so i think that mm-hmm. is that's really important for people to hear and know and i want to also encourage people who are listening in to 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 get this um uh, because i th- i do think that just just this there's enough here honestly that you use to point out um, what those, what some of those bad stats are, that even though it's not an exhaustive list, certainly, of mm-hmm. the things that are out there that people just accept as true, um, even though those statistics are there, um, that it might cause people to question something else that they hear. And so I think, I, I, again, I encourage people who are listening to, to, um, get this and, and take a listen uh, to your, your recommendations. Um, you know, one, one that I would like to just quickly mention that you talked about in the book was uh, or is about black students are dropping out. And, um, and so whereas there are numbers that show very high numbers of African-American students are dropping out, um, and when you go in, actually go in and see some of the other numbers, that, as you mentioned before, there are nuances to the way data is collected. And, and so I, you know, whether it's dropout rates, those, those from state to state, but even within states, from district to district in some states, are collected differently, and so yeah. we we are some in some cases not necessarily measuring uh, apples to oranges, but I always like to say so it's oranges to tangerines. It's different, you know. It's mm-hmm. not the same. You can't really compare these stats when they're collected differently, and and so that's that's one of the big ones that is that we see is that uh, not only that the quote-unquote dropout crisis among black males, but just that black students in general are dropping out. So um, that was a big yeah. one for me, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's um, you, you know, when you get confronted with stats like that, you have to ask yourself, how much do I really want to understand this? Mm-hmm. And if your honest answer is no, 
then move on if this this <laughs> fight isn't for you. But mm-hmm. if you see something like a dropout statistic, if you commit to understanding it, then you're going to understand the way that you just described. You're going <laughs> to understand how they measure it. You're going to understand what are the predictors. You're going to understand all the nuances behind those statistics. Uh, and that will put you in a, a, a good place to do something about it. We don't need everybody right. doing something about it, but we do need some people just to step away because they're doing more harm than good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Well, look, I know we're out of time. Um, you, you have uh, places where people might, uh, might be able to reach you. I know that this is not your only book. Um, anything you want to tell about where people can read some of your other work, um, where they can follow you, and certainly how to reach you, uh, please do that. Okay. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Tosin. Um, you can also look up my, my, this book and other books on Amazon, uh, and I also have a website, Tosin.com. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thank you. Well, listen, uh, so good to have you on. I'm sure our paths will cross again um, in, in some of the organizations that we belong to and um, certainly mutual interests uh, uh, in education. And so keep up the great work. Um, that you're doing with the NAACP and, um, and others. And so until we meet, go well, stay well. Okay, thank you. <laughs>